You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. I want to talk a little bit about how overwhelming it can be to uh, receive the prospect of uh, world's redemption, this uh, charge of world's redemption that Jesus even gives his disciples in that uh, passage that Kendra was just reading, farewell discourse, and he sends them off. In my younger years, I'm still young, so I'm still in the younger years for what it's worth, but uh, when I was like 18, so I'm a little bit older than that now. And I've lost more hair than I should at this point, so you might think I'm even older than I am. Don't ask me. You know, we'll just, let's just be okay. I was, uh, I stayed a Christian because I wanted to change the world. And one of my mentors, Joshua, that's how he would describe the gospel to me. I wanted it to be a better place. And I'll admit it, I was, I was super idealistic. And, and that term uh, had a negative kind of uh, connotation to it. And I was both idealistic about uh, big things, macro things, and micro things. I remember uh, sitting in my freshman political science class, making some sort of Christian argument. This is r rather abstract, but I was, I was saying, here, here's why we should all be paid the same amount of money. And my teacher asked me, who would want to become a doctor if they just got the paid, if they got paid the same amount as a grocery store cashier? And I responded with the idea that it should be morality and passion that lead us in our vocation, not how much money we make. And of course they laughed at me. Because that idea is so foreign from the world that we live in. My convictions and my honest convictions that I received from Jesus in the Bible led me to an idea like this. But the world was pretty dead set on discouraging me. Somehow, somehow, and I really have no idea how this came to my mind. I haven't thought about this story in years. I thought the only way that we can change, do I have a little thing up here? There, do you see something? The only way the world can change is if we change our hearts, if people change little idealistic. Of course, well, you can make a legal requirement for everyone to get paid equally. You could impose a tax measure to redistribute income. But I was hoping it would just come out of the goodness of our hearts. Uh, and that idea was quickly kind of, or at least attempted to be beaten out of me. The world was quick to do that and help me to get in line. Oh, here's how the world works. And my dad was like that too. So I kind of had the the uh, media around me telling me this, and also my dad. It's easy to uh, get discouraged when your ideas are so grand, even grandiose. And the efforts to get to that grand change seem impossible to accomplish. It can even be a challenge to share a small part of our income in common, let alone all of it. We're pretty well enculturated with how things should be. Tiny changes in this current world are enough. We're just refining what is already pretty good. And so because, you know, we're told the world around us is generally good, 
little changes is all we need to fix it. Adding something to it, like a seven-country refugee ban, seem is still within the spectrum of reason. It's not out of the ordinary. It's not a big modification of how we even do things. It's getting a lot of heat now. You're probably paying a little bit of attention to it. Um, and this may just be the cynical side of me, but I think most of the heat is because of the poor planning and not so much the moral outrage. You know, probably if the announcement didn't come via Twitter, we'd have a different idea about it. But that's what he's doing, so different kind of reaction. The problem is the little changes aren't just a measure to improve the world that we have little by little, but to get us in a whole different direction, moving with God and his world's redemption project. One little effort that I'm engaged in, for example, is uh, as part of our development without displacement team, we're trying to help the uh, city of Philadelphia get more affordable housing. There's neighborhoods in Philly that are gentrifying, they're getting uh, more developed, property values are increasing, rents go up, people, long-term residents can't live there anymore, poor people can't seem to live in nice neighborhoods. I think everyone should be uh, uh, able to do that. So our goal is to help everyone live in a decent neighborhood. So. You know, through a few, we're, we're, there's a few legislative measures that we've tried, and every single council person has uh, supports it. So I, I, we sit down with the council people, the Philly City Council, and they like the idea, but it w it's been so hard to get someone to champion it. We want two council people to say, no, we'll, pro we'll propose this idea. It's hard for someone to get their, uh, put their neck out there. And it's been going on for years, and it might not work. It's hard to get a small strategic thing done. And so you could walk away from that experience thinking, yeah, there's, I can't change the world at all. I can't even get a developer to think about a poor person for like a minute. And if you go to the personal level, it's also hard. Ever try out a new discipline? Could be, could be really simple stuff. Lent's coming up, so we're thinking about this now. Or New Year's just ended. Is New Year's over? Did you ever get a Happy New Year this late in the month? No. I got one in March once. <laughs> how far, how much, how long can you go? Chinese year, yesterday. Anyone Chinese? <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> I'm serious, you know, that's, that, 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 I'm cool, I'm down. Could be eating less sugar, a little discipline like that, drinking less coffee, not speeding, not using foul language. I do all of those things regularly. So these are my personal uh, struggles. All those little, and, so, and all at the same time, too. Caffeine, <laughs> cursing, driving fast, all that happens together. It's a, it's a, it's a choir in there. <laughs> and, and, and it's hard to keep them going. We're approaching the, the uh, moment where gym memberships, gym memberships skyrocket at the beginning of the year and fast food sales go down. Now those two lines are crossing. People are eating more fast food and they're getting out of gyms. Because you know, six weeks out, we start to lose the conviction to work out and uh, gain the conviction to eat a Big Mac. And so that's happening right about now. And so, you know, January 1, no more Big Macs for the year. I don't know if y'all eat Big Macs. I'm a fan. <laughs> Planet Fitness goes up. Then it switches. 
My point is it's hard to stay convicted and stay passionate. Whether you're proposing affordable housing legislation or just trying to uh, drive the speed limit, which is impossible in South Jersey, by the way. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's fun to drive here. I like driving here. <laughs> but then I can really go. And I'll tell you, we'll talk later about my driving. I, this, is a, this is a whole different subject. It's, it, the tide that we're fighting against is moving so fast, it's hard to be the alternative. You know, we're really swimming against the current. It's demanding to follow Jesus. Do I have this up? Can you fix this, Nate? This is Nate's our director. You guys know Nate that fixes things for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And he's building systems that help that happen. So it's not just him, you know, but whatever. He's our director of operations. I've been thinking about this immigration ban for a few days and it has me deeply troubled because I don't know where we got to a place where we're so self-centered and honestly with so many Christians buying it. I think we have to care for our neighbor, care for the other, care for the person who is not like us. And, and we all think that. And if this ban is defeated, we'll consider it a great victory and we'll get back to the way things were but not how they're supposed to be. You know, kind of back to our normal status quo, but not how they're supposed to be. We might celebrate a victory and then be done. No, but I, I wanna, I kinda wanna win it all still. You know, like I'm happy the Sixers are winning again. Let's go, you know. I'm ready to win. Let me tell you again, it's hard to be a Christian. And I'm not just talking about what you believe. That can be hard, too. I'm more talking about who you are and what you do. So I find comfort in the words of Paul as he's writing to the Ephesians because they seem to be struggling with the same stuff. And they, so I share in their struggle. But Jesus' big ask is to be something different. In essence from the world. That big ask is still there. And I think you all have been working with Ephesians for maybe a week or two. Is this true? Let me offer uh, my take on this section and then you'll have a chance to respond. It's a rather large swath of text. I've broken it up into four different sections and I'll briefly respond to each of them. And so I'm hoping one of you will read. So there's like a bigger paragraph. And then when we're done with that, the smaller ones get bigger. So you'll know which one to read. Will someone read the first one there? <coughs> so I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You shouldn't live your life like the Gentiles before. They base their lives on worldless thinking, and they are in the dark in their reasoning. They are disconnected from God's light because of their ignorance and their foolish hearts. They are people who have all sense of right and wrong themselves over to doing whatever feels good and practicing every sort of corruption along the green. That's good. Does that work now, Nate? Thanks, Jordan. Paul begins with this basic distinction about how he wants his new this new community in Christ to form, little church in in Greece. 
Turkey, actually, sorry. That word, Gentiles, means a lot of things. Here, it basically just means the people of the world. Ethnos would be the word. You know, normal people. You know, Christians aren't so normal. But regular people, he's, he's contrasting the way of Jesus with the way of the world. He's writing a polemic against the status quo, a, a major written criticism of how the world is working. And he's arguing that the way things of the world are, he's arguing against that, and he's hoping that Christians, the ones that he's writing to, will be different than the world and will begin to create a bigger difference. And he rails at the people in the world, dark in their reasoning, closed hearts, lacking all sense, doing whatever feels good, every corruption. Sounds familiar. Same problems we have now. This strongly worded criticism is appropriate, even for today, unfortunately. But I think that's, that's how it will be for us. Christians in every generation will be a source of new hope. Let's keep reading. Thanks, Brittany. In contrast to his hyperbole, I'll call it, about the world, he offers a radical alternative through Jesus. <coughs> Christ taught us something different. He's calling for an inner change, one that puts on, you're putting on the mind of Christ and changes us in God's image, in justice, in true holiness, Big contrast, dark world, and you're the beacon of light for it. Very negative portrayal of the world, and then a glowing portrayal of how it should be. This is the moment in the poli-sci class where you get laughed at. Seems laughable, seems impossible. Let's keep going. <coughs> takes all of that and he begins, thank you Donna, he begins to reduce it, make it more practical. Big point, the single point that he begins with. After you've gotten rid of lying, takes that big idea and then focuses on deceitful desires from the uh, paragraph before, makes that a little bit more palatable. You have this really idealistic way of doing things and then real practical measures. You do see this throughout the whole uh, Bible, I think. 
and especially the Gospels, practical ways to get closer to Jesus, closer to what they want, not just abstract ideas, real, tangible things you can do. Big theory to start with, and then he moves it down to basic applications. Tell the truth. Good advice. Work out your anger. Don't let it be an opportunity for sin. That means have your conflict. Figure out what you're angry about. Talk to someone about it. Don't let resentment build up. Then turn to aggression or passive aggression. We're so conflict avoidant sometimes. We wait and then we blow up. Do you ever do this? You've held back all your thoughts in a relationship that you have or with your roommate. The one who keeps hoarding all the mugs in her room. <laughs> Ever happened to you? You wonder where all the mugs in the house are. You're drinking out of a solo cup. Hot coffee out of a solo cup because all the mugs are in someone else's room. And then you blow up, right? And then you feel entitled to it because you never get to express your feelings. And so here, just have it the way, however unprocessed they are, just receive it because you've been hoarding mugs for like a year. And now I'm finally saying something. Yeah, that conflict avoidance and then blow up, break up, leave the church, cheat on your spouse, go binge drinking, all these problems that can happen. Don't let your anger turn into sin. He, he doesn't even tell you not to be angry. Be angry without sinning. That's, I, I appreciate that kind of uh, meeting me in the middle there. Because there's plenty to be angry about including the toilet seat always being up. You know, there's problems. <laughs> but use it. Talk about it. Don't steal from each other. You got, we don't generally do this, I think. But instead, contribute to the common good. Now he's moving it differently. These aren't little things, but they're not nearly as grandiose as the initial proposition telling the truth, not getting angry, contributing to the common cause, part of our life together. Paul even might say we're stealing if we're not sharing in the common good. You know, if you're not helping your uh, uh, fellow Christian brother or sister, what are you withholding from them? What are you taking from them? Everything's God's anyway. <clears throat> That's a pretty radical idea. And all he says is don't steal. Instead, go work and contribute something to the common good. You know, not even just to make a buck. That kind of sounds like what I was saying in my poli-sci class, by the way. I should have quoted Ephesians to my prof. Maybe he would have not laughed at me. Clearly, I'm not over this. <laughs> I got to email him after this and be like, hey, man, I just got to keep talking about this, you know, however many years later. I'm not going to tell you how long, by the way. One more paragraph. You know, when you're reading these letters, you're really getting like one side of a conversation. 
So a lot of the details aren't filled in about the occasion that's exactly happening. The Ephesians are going through a specific thing. Paul's directly confronting it, and he's speaking in generalities because he doesn't need to write all the, all the specifics because they have a relationship. We get the benefit of the generalities because they still apply to us. Don't be foul. Only say what's helpful. Only tweet helpful things. <coughs> Our words should benefit others. Not just don't be vulgar. Have beneficial words. This is beyond not cursing. It's about uh, saying mutually beneficial, mutually edifying things. He summarizes his teaching with this great litany. Put aside all bitterness, losing temper, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander. This, this uh, revolutionary content it begins with this harsh criticism of the way of the world and an idealistic vision for how it could be. All of this is reduced down to being gentle, being compassionate, forgiving each other. Treat others the way that God treated you. On one hand, hard to do this. We know it's hard to do it. On the other, it's stuff we almost intrinsically know that we're supposed to do. It's really hard to make a disagreement about this. No, I want to harbor my anger and use foul language and hurt people and not be mutually, you know, Edifying. Now, most people still want to do that. We still have that uh, law on our hearts. You're almost born with that ethic. Could its mastery and its complete application result in a stark contrast from the world that Paul previously mentioned? Is this really what it means to clothe ourselves in Christ if we're just kind and gentle and compassionate and forgiving each other? Does that little thing change the world? seems easy, but it's exceedingly difficult. How do you go about this in a practical way? Why not just give yourself one assignment and see if you can't succeed? Narrow down one of these verses into a single application and see if it can work for you. Try not to consume all of it. We read a lot. Focus on one. Maybe you don't talk behind people's back. And, 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 and if you're a friend and you receive a message or a conversation about someone else, someone's talking, why don't you go talk to that person? I can't, I don't know if me hearing this and then responding to you is going to help. You know, you might even feel better at the end of your venting here. Uh, and that might decrease your stress a little bit. But I don't know if it's going to solve the problem. I think it might just come <coughs> up again. Just go to send them back to the person or you yourself be conscious of when you do that. Something that small. Work out your problem directly. Don't give in to your anger. Commit to telling the truth. That would be something if you decided, I'm going to try not to lie for the next week. Some of you may never lie, so that's not a problem for you. Others, you withhold or you keep secrets. You lie in some way. Or you share something in common with the rest of us. Time, heart, money things you treasure. Or maybe you just decide to say kind things and affirming things to other people. A lot of people need just a little bit of this to feel even better about who they are. <clears throat> this was actually one of my resolutions this year to speak positively. My way of doing this was to make sure that what I spoke in private I could also generally say in public. The CEO of Zappos, this is kind of crazy, he publishes all of his emails anyone can just read his emails 
his whole inbox because he isn't ashamed of what he's saying. Some of it may be too weird to read, but it's not gonna look, it's not gonna uh, defect his character. And I thought if all my conversations were published, could I handle that kind of scrutiny? Would I be proud of everything that I said? Is that okay? I mean, not all the conversations are meant for everybody because some have private information and so on, but the tone. What if I just worked on the tone? I'm getting there. You know, sometimes that anger is too much. Gotta cool it down. Speak in edifying ways. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. <clears throat> and I think that's the, that's the key here. Because we know ourselves, and we know we struggle with these things. At least we think we do. You know, I was reminded all the time of how I struggled with them by the people around me, by my father even. It doesn't help that someone's always telling us how far we are from this. Let me assure you, you're not that far. And this isn't just some generic praise that I offer everyone. I really do think that I see a difference among you and among our community. I think you have general decency about you. And you do contrast yourselves with the world. The love feast was a, a representation of that last night when we welcomed in 14 new covenant members and people were sharing their stories. You were a testament to their faith. We don't hold a monopoly on Paul's instructions, but I think we do a good job if you're skeptical. With that said, I think the basic way we, are, we, we can achieve this is by doing it together. <coughs> not only in, in this community, not only will it encourage you to be in a community, people can point out how you're actually accomplishing this, you might even get a little feedback, a little support, accountability in our struggle to do these basic things. The microcosm of Paul's alternative that we create which is all I'm talking about, is contagious for others and can help change the world. Start with your cell, the congregation. Good place to be kind to each other. And maybe it'll ripple out more. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect tab at circleofhope.net.